I'm Dr. Tagrid, your friendly child psychiatrist. And this is a space for young people, families, and professionals who want to understand neurodiversity and mental illness better. I'm here to help you make sense of the most complex of issues in the simplest of ways. Let me walk you through topics that are important to you, from autism to trauma and from depression to self-harm. In this podcast, I'll bring you expertise, explain the science and equip you with practical tips and knowledge. Join me, Dr. Tagrid, your friendly child psychiatrist, for 30 minutes every Wednesday on all listening platforms. Happy New Year. Thank you for tuning in. Today, we're going to talk about keeping it together as a parent or a carer. And that is the scientific term for it. But the real scientific term for it is parents' mental health. What I'm not going to tell you to do today is pretend like you're keeping it together because it is very, very, very hard. And pretending like things are okay when they aren't is definitely, as a blanket statement, the wrong way to go. What I am going to talk to you about today and tell you to do is number one, understand why that's really important, why children are designed to pick up on your every mental state and how that's really important for their development and for your relationship as well. The second thing we're going to talk about is how to navigate that, how to navigate that being in the middle of somebody's universe, being under the microscope all the time, being watched by that child or that young person in terms of what you feel, how you behave. It's difficult. It's difficult. And the third thing, I'm going to give you a little exercise that might be helpful if you want to give it a try, maybe give it a try for a week or so and and see if that helps with your parenting, helps with your emotional state around parenting. So let's dive straight through. But before that, I want to acknowledge one thing. And I and if you're if you're a regular listener, I I'm trying to to stop at each episode and acknowledge that this is such a privilege, such a privilege to be safe enough in in a part of the world where we don't have to experience grief and trauma in the way that people are experiencing in countries around the world, and especially Palestine. I want to acknowledge that there is a lot of privilege here in talking about these topics. And my heart is very aware of the grief and trauma that people are going through and that families are going through in this part of the world at the moment. So why it is so important that children are tuned in to their significant grown-up's mental state. And let me walk you through the journey of a child, right? Journey of a baby. This baby started his life being conceived and they live in this body. They live in their mother's body. And all their connection to this body is literally being fed into them through the umbilical cord. It's, they're literally immersed in that body. They are so in tuned to every physical change in that body. They're in tune to every emotional state in that body. The mother will experience a bit of stress. And before she's even aware of it, those stress hormones are pumping and gushing through and going straight to that baby. And then the baby is born. 
And a lot of people think that trauma and difficulty and adverse events start at the moment, start from the moment of birth. But there's a lot of research to support that actually what the mother goes through during a pregnancy has such an impact on a child's well-being and a child's trajectory and a child's physical and emotional health. So before you're even born, if you were grown, if you were developed in an environment that is very conducive of that development, that's very relaxed, that's filled with nutrients, filled with love, you heard lovely vibrations coming from the outer world of music and laughter, then you're probably on a better path as you go into the world physically than a baby who's gone through significant amounts of stress in their mother's womb. So getting a lot of stress hormones coming in, a lot of negative vibration, a lot of of sadness seeping through all of these hormones, all of these enzymes of stress and, and grief, it is very impactful on the way that you develop. It impacts the at a microscopic level how your cells develop and and multiply. And we know very little, by the way, scientifically, we know very little about how people develop and how our brains develop. But what we know so far is that the in utero, the life in the womb is so important for children's development. And then that baby is born. And for the first period of their lives, they can't really see past a few centimeters in front of their face. And all their connection to the world comes through their sensations. It comes through what they feel, what they hear. It comes through what they physically can touch. And that's why there's a lot of research and a lot of going back to, to, you know, to roots around skin to skin and how important it is to for babies to be held and to be able to feel their mothers, feel their fathers, feel their significant grown-ups in that very deep sensory way. And there's probably a lot of there's actually a lot of research around that, but there's probably a lot of evolutionary value in this because think about being a baby and being so helpless in that stage of your life. You're you're immobile. You can't really protect yourself in any way. You have no way of assessing the dangers in your your environment. And your only way of connecting to this environment, of, of being able to receive what's going on around you, is through your parents, through those sensations that come in. And it looks like somehow it developed over time that babies are able to pick up on those parents' emotional states just by being in the room, just by being in the room. And it doesn't have to be the biological parent. It can be anyone who is a significant carer. Definitely the connection with the biological parent is much stronger because it starts in utero. But even if you're the carer that steps in at the moment of birth, the connection that you have with that baby has probably been developed and started in our brains millions, you know, um, millennia ago. And it looks like there are 
a lot of physical roots of how that happens. And there is something called, you probably heard about something called mirror neurons. And this is one of the very few things that we know about how babies' brains develop. But mirror neurons are parts of your brain, are neurons in your brain, basically. Neurons are the building blocks of your brain. And those are the building blocks in your brain that that that's job is to detect and mirror the other person's emotional state and behavior. And they develop over time and, and they exist in all of us and they're responsible for empathy, our ability to understand what other people are going through and try to feel it or resonate, um, have it resonate in us, in, you know, in that sense. And those develop from a very, very early age. And that's why you see that as children develop, they're able to mirror step by step, not what the parent is doing, but what the parent is feeling. So those mirror neurons look like they're able to pick up from a primal level what the other and what the significant care, what the significant grown-up is feeling at any given moment and mirror that. And that's why you see those vicious cycles of the parent being distressed, the child becoming distressed, the child behaving badly because of that distress and that putting more stress on the parent. So the parent becomes more distressed and the child becomes more distressed. And the perfect example of this, if you're ever um, in that position, I've been in it millions of times, but if you're ever in a position where your child is having a tantrum in the middle of a busy shopping mall, or a busy shop, you are experiencing this hands-on. So you've got a child who's very distressed for whatever reason, and they behave in a way to express their distress because they're not really equipped with the ability to say, oh, mother, I am really distressed at the moment. So they, they don't. They throw stuff and they throw themselves to the floor. And your reaction to this is probably trying to absorb it as much as you can, but then the stress is building inside of you and you feel like, okay, I'm watched, I'm late, I really want to pick up that milk. And why are you behaving like this? I just bought you all of those little sweets and chocolates that you wanted and, and we bought that coloring book and we did that thing. Why are you crying in the middle of the shop right now? And as you're trying to put on that face of, I got it, I got it, I'm a gentle parent, I'm going to navigate this smoothly, your stress, your internal stress is building up. And what's happening in that moment is that your child is also picking up on your stress. They're picking up on your danger cues. They're picking up on all the stress hormones that are, in your, that are being secreted in your body, all of the bits in your brain that are lighting up as signs of danger. There's a lot of sirens going on in your head. And your child is listening. They're watching this and they're feeling it. So even if you've not showed it, if, you, if you're not showing it in your behavior, they're still going to pick up on it. And that feeds into that distress and it makes them further distressed. And until the cycle is broken, what they're going to do is they're going to keep annoying you. You keep getting annoyed. That makes them further distressed and the cycle continues. And then at some point, somebody breaks and you start showing that distress in your voice or in your behavior and everything just spirals at that moment. And, and again, if you've been in that situation like me, the best way to get out of it is to just get out of it. 
literally the best way to handle this is to put a break, is to acknowledge it, to say, you know what, you're upset and that's fine. And I'm upset and that's fine. How about we take just a moment to sit in that and take some space. You be upset and I'm here as your parent and I'll be upset right there next to the soup cans and then we'll meet in a minute. And it looks like that technique of breaking out and enabling yourself to regulate helps your child regulate. So people think it's about ignoring the child and it really isn't. It's about both of you allowing yourself to calm down and ground to acknowledge that both of you have emotional states that are very heightened you're very scared your fight and flight is being triggered and to step out of it for a moment even seconds allows everything to reset sometimes and it looks like these this development has also to do with a lot of other things so there's social theory about emotional contagion and it looks like these the this ability to pick up on other people's emotional states and emulate them and reflect them goes beyond the parent-child relationship but it's so strong in the parent-child relationship and as your child develops it helps them also belong so there's a value to this not only for the child to keep themselves safe because they're able through you to detect what's going on in the environment they're also using this connection to develop their awareness of the world. So through you, they're able to know, how am I supposed to converse with the world? Is the world a dangerous place? Is the world a safe place? They're also able to manage you, to manage their relationship with you. They're able through this to detect, are you safe to approach or are not, or are you not? And you see this in, in, in especially difficult parental uh, parent-child relationship relationships where the child becomes so hyper-developed in this that they're so aware of their grown-up's mental state at every given point because they know that if they are not aware, then something might take them by surprise. This parent is volatile or they're um, very dysregulated. It's very difficult to, to manage them. And I need to know minutes in advance before they completely... Um, fall apart and put me in distress and put me in danger in that sense. So you'll see that that's important for their safety, but also for their development and their ability to identify different emotions. And that's going to take us very smoothly into how you navigate this. So I've already told you, do not pretend that you're okay. Parent and carer burnout is real and it is unavoidable because it's a full-time job. And I, I never believe when uh, parents tell me, oh, everything is perfect. I've never had any trouble. That is not true. You're probably just, you know, suppressing some difficult memories somewhere because you're, you're trying to, to make it through. But parenting is difficult and it's triggering. So Step one is to acknowledge that you have emotional states that change and that can be negative and you can get angry and you can get sad and you can have trouble in your marriage or in your relationship and you can have trouble in that parenting relationship. And step two is, is using that, using that ability in your child 
to detect your emotional state, to try and help them understand how the world of emotions work. So what you probably want to do in those situations is not deny what you're feeling because what you're telling your child is that your instincts are wrong. You think I'm worried. You think I'm stressed. I am not. Your instincts are wrong. When they aren't, when they have rightfully picked up on your distress. So what you want to do in that moment is help the child or the young person acknowledge the emotion, acknowledge that that feeling that, okay, yes, I get it that you're distressed and I am distressed and people get distressed. And what do we do when we're distressed? So what I like to help parents think about is what do you do when you're distressed? Make a list with a couple of things that you do, taking space, having a warm drink, washing your face, standing in the garden, whatever. And and walk your child through these things and say, well, you know what? This is what I'm feeling right now and it's very difficult. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to step away and take some space from this until I feel better. So what do you think I should do? And it could be a talking point, depending on your child's age, that you help them through thinking in real life about a situation where you're distressed, then what? And this is the exercise that I want you to go to go away and try. And there are three questions that I want you to go away and try asking yourself every time you feel distressed. How am I feeling? So feelings, we've got three feelings. We've got sad, happy, and scared. Angry is not a feeling. Angry is, is, is something that we put over. It's topping. It's a topping over a feeling. Your basic feelings are sad, happy, and scared. So what are you feeling in a moment? Where in your body are you feeling it? Are you feeling it in your stomach? Are you feeling it in your back? Are you feeling it in your head? Are you feeling it in your legs? What are you feeling? Where are you feeling it? And why do you think you're feeling it? Are you distressed in this moment because um, milk spilt over the dinner table? Or are you distressed in this moment because you've had a really difficult day at work and your job is, is, is on the line? Are you distressed in that moment because your child would not put down that coloring book in the shop? Or are you distressed because you're worried about not being able to pay for your shopping? And try asking yourself these three questions. I won't say every time you have a negative emotion, but try to do it as much as possible. Build it into a habit. Try to, to answer them at, the, at first consciously and then over time it becomes an unconscious um, thing, an unconscious habit that you develop. Make this your 2024 resolution if you want and, and try to be more mindful of your emotional states. And the next time you're in a vicious circle with your teenager or your child, try doing the exercise with them. Try thinking about this in kind of a medicine, stepping away from it and think about legacy. So there's a bit of research around how there is heritability or there is um, legacy in emotional states and how we converse with the world, how we deal with the world. 
And there's research that says actually it's evolutionary. So it looks like these bits in us that are scared or ashamed or guilty and have all of these negative emotions have survived through millennia of, of human development because they serve a purpose, because they stop us from doing silly things, because they help us, you know, second guess our, our stupid decisions. And being worried is something that we developed because it was helpful. And being ashamed and guilty and sad all developed because it was helpful at some point in time. And they're probably still helpful in some parts of our lives. So do not discount negative emotions. I mean, being sad or upset or angry or scared or ashamed or guilty is good because it's part of the the palette of how you deal with the world and how you deal with your child. But it's probably not just the evolution and the evolutionary aspect. There's also something to do with legacy within families. So a therapist I know always says something about roots. So if you think about a negative emotion, I feel angry at the moment because my child is misbehaving. And I'm angry because that's the topping on top of I am sad. I'm sad and disappointed in their behavior. If you trace that feeling all the way back, it's probably just a branch connected to a tree with roots that go as far as generations in where you come from as a person. So these negative emotions probably stem somewhere, being have been handed down parent to child and parent to child. And you'll hear this a lot. This generation is very good. Generation Z is very good at talking about um, generational trauma. What generational trauma is, is is that experience that's handed down from parent to child. So the experience of being disappointed or worried because you have expectations that are very high because somewhere along the line somebody taught somebody that um, in your in your lineage that your value was attached directly to how you behave. So if you didn't behave to a very high expectation, you weren't loved. And at that point, it became known in your lineage that expectations need to be very high of ourselves. And if I am not, if my child is not behaving perfectly, it means that I am not a perfect parent. And if I am not a perfect parent, that I'm not worthy of love. And if I am not worthy of love, then I am bad and I should be ashamed and I should feel guilty. And that's the most common thought process that goes through parents' heads that at least I hear and and I personally experience. And and that's that stems that's that, that that's not something that's born with you that that stems from generations that comes from your relationship to your parent and the, and, and it probably started from their relationship your parents relationship to their parents and up the you know the sycamore tree as it were and you trace it back and we call this generational trauma in the more severe cases where there had been significant trauma over generations and what research is telling us is that probably trauma changes our DNA in a way, changes how our body very physically interacts with the world. And even if you never exchange a word with your biological parent, it gets handed down through your genes. That trauma, if it's significant enough, if it's, if it's life-changing enough, it changes 
your literal DNA. So our bodies are not completely separate from our minds. Our bodies are connected to our minds in every literal way. It's like you cannot separate the brain from the body, can you? And, 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 and what your brain goes through as an organ affects other organs in your body. And if it's significant enough, it affects your hormones, it affects your development, it affects how your bones grow, it affects how your, your speech grows, it affects how your nails grow, it affects everything. And, it, and, and it's not far off that it does affect your DNA and it does transfer over time. So, so if you're in a position where you're thinking about okay, I'm here to break a generational cycle. I'm here to change the way that I am parenting my child because I don't want to hand over these negative legacies. What you need to do at first is acknowledge them and teach your child to acknowledge them in this relationship. So when the day comes and they experience a negative emotion, which is completely unavoidable, when the day comes and they experience negative emotion, even if that negative emotion is experienced within the relationship, they're angry at you, they're disappointed with you, then they feel that that's fine. There is no shame or guilt attached. It's fine to feel like that. It's fine to have a really, really bad day. And it's fine to feel angry and sad and scared. And how you work through that then is something that you learn over time. No one is born completely dysregulated. There is no perfect parent. It, it just doesn't exist. And there is value in the fact that you have your ups and downs as a parent and you struggle as a parent and you get mentally um, distressed or ill as a parent. There's value in that because then you can teach your child how to deal with it. You can tell, you can give them the manual. You can tell them what to do and what not to do. So you can... Be very honest with them, dependent on age. So that little exercise that I told you about is, how am I feeling? Where am I feeling it? And what is causing it? Why am I feeling it? That's the first step. And then there are things around, what am I going to do about it? And there are so many ways that are written. There's a lot of books. There's a lot of research around gentle parenting, conscious parenting, mindful parenting, positive parenting. There's so many schools of parenting. But I'll tell you this piece of advice is, number one, whatever the kind of parenting you're doing or you're choosing to follow, please be honest. With your child. Number two, please be kind and compassionate to yourself. Look after yourself. Put your, put your mask on first, to use that airplane analogy. And accept that you can struggle. And if you don't know, you can, if you don't know how to look after yourself, how is your child going to learn that? So sometimes I see parents and I say, no, you need to see a psychiatrist. You need to see a mental health professional. You need to look after yourself. Only then is your child going to be better. Because and it's very hard for parents to hear because already they're thinking, oh, it's my fault, it's my fault. No, it's not your fault. You're struggling. You're struggling. How are you supposed to help your child? I mean, you, you totally accept that you can't look after your children if you have two legs broken. Why can't? Why is it hard to accept that you can't look after your child if you're depressed and you can't get out of bed. 
they're, they're exactly the same. They're exactly the same. Two legs broken is very similar and probably slightly easier than being severely depressed. So being kind and compassionate to yourself is the best thing that you can give to your child as a care or a parent. And this has probably been the hardest episode that I had to prepare for because I, I was thinking about all of my own personal experiences. And you'd think that as a mental health professional that's, you know, I've been working for 13 years in this in this world of, of looking after people's mental health and you'd think that it's easy for me to to do that as a parent, but it isn't. And I don't think it's ever easy. It's it's never easy for a parent to um to be perfect all the time. And you're not supposed to be. So be kind to yourself and be honest with your children. And know that this year is gonna be the year that you're gonna look after yourself and you're gonna chalk that up to being a good parent. Thank you for joining me today. Remember to check the show notes for helpful resources and support. If you enjoyed listening, subscribe to our channel and get notified about the latest episodes. This is Dr. Tagrid, wishing you well.